all in Africa has been paid for by the WZWA Network. on the west coast california in fury what a joy and honor a privilege to be with you all once again and speaking of a joy honor and privilege right here right now i have a guest at this time that i never thought i'd get the chance to speak to not for any other reason other than just some people in the wrestling business that have been in the wrestling business they could be hard to find but i found him i found him i messaged him and we hooked this up within a couple of days time ladies and gentlemen you you may remember the no limit soldiers from wcw and you may remember one of the most powerful members of that group is the one is the only is swole how are you sir fine how you doing today my brother how's everything going Everything's fantastic, my friend. I, I live in the most isolated city in the world. So I, where I live, it's finally an advantage to be in a uh, pandemic. Uh, we, we, we don't have right. to wear masks. We don't have anything like that over here okay. right now. So All right, well, well I, I'm in New Orleans, Louisiana. So, hey, uh, I'm in the boot. So, you know, look, the best thing to do is stay inside around here. If you don't get COVID, you get killed. <laughs> Sounds fun to me. Uh, although over here, you can leave the house and there might be a snake uh, down the road. You never know. <laughs> um, but, sir, thank you so much for being on the show with thank, me. Thank you. Um, you. You have had an incredible life from what my research tells me. And this is why I'm excited to learn about all this, because... There's not many people then that can succeed in, in two different areas in life. And then even more so with what you've done after your football and wrestling career. But I've got to bring it back to when you're a young man, a very young man. Uh, how did you become a fan of professional wrestling? Well, in New Orleans, wrestling is pretty big and um, real, real big. Because when I was a little boy, we had Mid-South with um, Mid-South Wrestling with um, Cowboy Bill Watts was the owner. And he used to always come to um, New Orleans, you know, center. And I used to go check out, you know, um, Big Cat Ernie Ladd, Great Candy, Mr. Rassler, um, you know, Dusty Rose, <laughs> um, Mr. Rassler number two, Pochop Cash, you know. Um, so I I've always been a wrestling. And when I was a little boy, uh, we had a sixth grade and career day. And I went to my career day and I told my classmate, my teachers, I want to be a professional football player and a professional wrestler. And everybody and everybody laughed at me. So, yeah. well, well, I'm laughing because I know what the end result is. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's awesome. Okay. So that's how you became a wrestling fan. Then I got to bring it over to football. I mean, I know football is, is, is a massive part of, of, uh, uh, I guess the fabric of the United States. Uh, mm. So it can't be too difficult to become a fan, but how did you become a fan of football? Well, as a little boy, I suffered from mental issues. And my mom took me to see my psychiatrist when I was six years old. And the psychiatrist told my mom put me into sports. 
So my mom put me into boxing, karate, wrestling, and football, baseball. And I turned out to be a pretty good football player. I, I was fast. I was skinny, but I was strong. And um, you know, I, you know, I became um, All-American in high school. I was one of the most recruited players you know, of my time. Went to the University of Houston, had you know, honors, and went on to play professional football. And um, so it it, it, it it was a journey, a journey, but it's something I really don't like talk. I, you know, I talk about, but I really don't because my NFL career was taboo to me because I had so many injuries. I understand. Uh, I just think it's <laughs> it's 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 incredible because there are so many, not even just thousands, but millions of young men who want to be a football player over there, and uh, you know. Uh, University of Houston, am I correct? Uh, playing for the Houston Cougars. Yes. Um, yeah. Between '84 and '87, it's it's such a competitive field. In your estimation, <laughs> how were you able to stand out to the scouts looking for for young guys coming into the NFL? Well, back when I played football, you can you can hit. T today, I wouldn't I wouldn't be allowed to play today football because I was I was so aggressive. Um, the, the game today is more laid back, um, not, you know, they, they worry about people getting hurt, but I, I, no, I, I made a reputation of knocking people out. Um, I was very aggressive, um, got into a lot of fights on the field, but that's the way I played the game. Um, you know, I played the game like that. Um, like I said, today, I wouldn't be able to play because I'd be kicked out of every game. And um, so I, uh, I, you know, I had a reputation of knocking people out. And when I played, it was me, Steve Atwater, and a guy by the name of Frankie Thomas from SMU. You know, Steve Atwater, he's Hall of Fame. And we were the three top, you know, safeties in our conference. So we used to always check each other out and see what, you know, what we was doing. But um, today's game is very soft. This is like professional wrestling. I don't like professional wrestling anymore because it turned, it's now turned into gymnastics. You know, I come from an era of, you know, Stan Hansen, Big Cat, you know, a lot of punches, a lot of throws. And when I try to emit them, I got criticized. Oh, he doesn't know how to wrestle. Or he's not a wrestle. But that's that's the style I wanted to imitate. You know, I want to imitate, you know, the Stan Hansons and the Big Cats, you know. I didn't want to do no flips off, no ropes. You know, I didn't want to do no cartwheels and all that kind of stuff. It just wasn't my era, and that's not the way I think. And I got criticized for that. I understand, but uh, I can, I totally understand because I prefer uh, older wrestling as well, uh, older professional wrestling as well. I would rather watch a BA Swole tag team match than what's going on today. No doubt about it. And I watched a couple of those tag matches earlier in preparation. Um, but, uh, you know, who cares what any of those people think? You had the right thing in mind as far as I'm concerned. I mean, if you want to emulate Big Cat only lad, I think you're on the right course there. I mean, look at him. He was a hell of an athlete. Um, mm -hmm. And speaking of uh, being a hell of an athlete, uh, only one more question about football with you. Um, uh, you know, your experience there uh, in the NFL. I just want to know what a typical week would be like for somebody who was in the NFL. Well, Okay, um, you go to practice. We, we have Mondays off. Monday's always off. 
Tuesday, you get your game plan, you know, um, you get what's called a report, and it tells about each player, you know, and stuff like that, who the guys you're going to be going against. You get the status report, what they do on third and five, first and 10, what they do in, you know, empty backfield, you know, all kind of reports. And you have to go uh, to, uh, you know, you, you go to practice, you go to meetings, you know, you eat lunch there. Um, then Tuesday, you know, you, you go, I mean, two Wednesday, you go through your, you know, you know, regular practice, hitting, tackling, you know, you got your scout team and stuff like that. And Thursday, you do the same thing, but then you have special teams, you know, your kickoff team and all that kind of, you go through all those meetings. Then Friday, uh, it's more of a, you know, everything, you know, this is what we're going to do. And when I played for the Denver Broncos, we had to take a test every Friday. And they give you, you know, all these positions. And if you didn't take the test, you had, you had to study and take it again. So a lot of people don't know, a lot of times you got to take tests when you play pro. I don't know if they do it now, but it didn't, we had it. And Saturday is a walkthrough, you know, this walkthrough closed, and Sunday is game day. So it's, 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 it's pretty easy. College was harder. <laughs> I can imagine. Well, thank you for, for giving me some insight there because most of my experience with uh, American <laughs> football is watching like a film like Remember the Titans, etc. Um, so mm -hmm. uh, thank you for the insight. Um, so, okay, the, the, the early 90s, uh, you, you seek out wrestling training. This is what my research tells me. If I'm wrong, please correct me. Uh, how, did you, how did you come across one Brad, Brad Rangans and, um, you know, what made you decide to to take the step into professional wrestling? Okay, getting back to Ernie Led, <laughs> it was my um, my third year in professional football league, and I came home summer, and I was in this place called Frenchie's Fried Chicken in Houston, Texas, which is down the street from Texas Southern and University of Houston. And one day I'm in there eating, and this big old red guy walked in, and it was Ernie Ladd. <laughs> And he said, boy, you pretty, you pretty. Oh my God, you pretty. Well, stand up, let me take a look at you. You're a fine man. I'm like, okay, I knew he was. I'm in Hamilton, because he was coaching at TSU, you know? And so he said, look, when, you know, when your career's over in football, call this number and uh, he'll get you into wrestling. And that's how I got hooked up with um, um, Brad Riggins. You know, your big cat, Ernie Ladd. Amazing. It came full circle there. You got to meet yeah. a big cat right yeah. then and there. That's really cool. How was the experience training with Brad at that time? It was crazy because, um, you know, this is this is like 1990, 91. And, uh, well, about 91, 92. And um, he, had, he had all the top talent because he had people, I mean, a regular day at school, we have um, – the World Warriors were coming in, you know, the World Warriors, the Demolition Team, um, Big Van Vader, oh my God, uh, um, Ravishing Rick Rude, you know, I mean, we, we had all these guys who come into the, uh, the Steiners, the Nasty Boys, all these people tra trained under Brad Riggins, and they will always come back, you know, and I used to trip out because I couldn't believe I was training with Animal and Hulk. You know, and um, you know, you know, and uh, Wayne Bloom, you know, and all these guys, you know, and, and it was, it was the, 
it was the ending of the AWA. Matter of fact, a lot of people don't know, but I did the very last show for AWA. The very last show. Wow, that that actually answers a question that I had next because I didn't understand why on May 3rd, 1991, you wrestled Frank Anderson for the right. AWA. And I was wondering why there weren't any further matches. Well, there you go. It was the last show. It, it, was, <laughs> it was the last show ever. Ever AWA Vern Gagne just stopped. You know, did you know uh, at the time that that was going to be the last show? No, because you know, they had big plans for us, you know. Um, because you know, AWA was big time back then. Because that's where um Hulk Hogan and them all come from AWA, you know, Hogan, um, Kurt Hennings, you know, the Royal all these people come from AWA. And so they had, you know, when I was told that, you know, that I was it. Uh, they sent me to Japan, you know, and because Brad Riggin was the um, head booker for New Japan Pro Wrestling, and I wrestled an unknown guy by the name of Hash Hashimoto, who became world famous. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so you know, it, it was you know, it was a bit of you know, you know, I liked it. It was okay, you know. Yeah, and I will talk talk about New Japan in a second. I just I was really interested to know what it was like wrestling uh, Frank Anderson on that show. It's, it's your debut, so after the crazy experience of training with all these big guys coming in, the Road Warriors, the Steiners, Vader. Now you're wrestling Frank Anderson of all people uh, in your mm -hmm. first match. How was it? How was that experience? Me and Frank Anderson were best friends. We were roommates. <laughs> And he was also going to Brad Riggins school at the time. So we, we were best friends, we were roommates, and it was, it was both our very first match. And we went over it a thousand times, you know, this we're gonna do, blah, blah, blah. We were both so nervous, you know? And um, for those who don't know Frank Anderson, he's a, he's very, he was, he passed away a couple of years ago. He had um, heart surgery and didn't survive. So rest in peace to my brother. Um, he. Frank Anson is like uh, the Hulk Hogan of Sweden. You know, he he went to the Olympics and you know won all kind of medals and Greco wrestling. You know, he you know he was a reality star, movie star over in Sweden, and um, we call him Frankie Boy. And uh, Frank has to be the wildest man I've met in my life. You know, he woke up drinking vodka, you know, cold vodka every morning. And he will party all night and go work out and train. And I just don't know how he did it. You know, he 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 was he was wild, seriously. And I miss my friend. Absolutely, bro. May he rest in peace. I actually was not aware he passed away uh about six months ago when I was trying to uh do research to see if I could find him to interview him, and then I found out. So I was I was a bit uh, sad to hear that he he passed on, but um, thank you for sharing the story about him. Uh, you know, one of those names out there in professional wrestling that I think everyone needs to learn a little bit about because he, he certainly was an uh, an interesting performer. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling because I I, I want to know what this was all about. It, the first one was May thirty first, nineteen ninety one, in Osaka against Shinya Hashimoto. Uh, in something called a different style fight. What did that consist of? And, uh, you know, how was it? 
Well, my um, background is martial arts. And um, this was this was mixed martial arts before mixed martial arts. Let's be honest with you. I tell people this all the time. They think I'm crazy. I'm like, no, I did one of the very first mixed martial arts in wrestling, you know, in Japan. They're like, no, I wore gloves and he, you know. And so that when they when they approached me about it, you know, I, you know, Hashimoto, he wasn't big then, you know. And um, so I went to Japan for a couple of months and trained over there and we did the match. And then um, I got a phone call and I uh, went back to Minnesota and the promoters called and they told me, uh, Randy, um, can you take an ass whipping for 45 minutes? I'm like, what? They say, like, you think you could take an ass whipping for 45 minutes? I said, what are you talking about? He said, we want you to wrestle uh, Big Van Vader. And I said, well, what's the spots? They said, you have no spots. He's going to beat the dog shit out of you, you know? I said, why? He said, because you're big, you're strong, you're athletic, and we want to, you know, show people that Vader can beat someone, you know, with power. And I told him, I said, hey, man, you do know I'm from the hood, right? He said, yeah. I said, man, I, I, can't, I can't do that, you know? I have a reputation. And so the guy told me, and I'll forget, he told me, <laughs> if you don't wrestle Vader, you'll never work in Japan again. And I never worked in Japan again. You know, I wasn't going to let, you know, and people, you got to remember, everybody said, oh, you know, you wouldn't wrestle Vader. Vader was putting a lot of Japanese boys in the hospital. Seriously. He was so stiff and he was, he was hurting so many people, you know. I, you know, that's why Stan Hansen knocked his damn eye out because he was so stiff. And I got into wrestling business not to go into the hospital, you know, to have fun. And I talked to Leon, you know, and uh, I he, Leon said, Randy, I'm gonna beat the dog shit out of you, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna hit you with chairs and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna jump on you. And I was like, no, nah, I'd rather go back and play football. It wasn't that I was, a, you know, if it was, if they would told me, look, you and Van Vader are going to go at it. No, no script. I would have did it, you know? You know, I would have did it. I would have did it in a heartbeat, you know? Because I know my martial arts skills. And, um, but to go into a ring and and let somebody try to put me in a hospital, no, it wasn't happening. No, I wasn't going to do it. So, you know, my time in Japan was cut very short, but I don't really don't give a shit. Because like I said, I wasn't letting nobody hurt me. Right, fair enough, uh, without a doubt. Um, there was another match that I'd seen that you had there in, in Japan. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, sometimes research could be wrong, against uh, Mas Masashi uh, Aoyagi uh, in mm -hmm. Hiroshima at the Sun Plaza on October 18th, 1991. Um, yeah. do, you, uh, do you remember that one as well? He won. <laughs> you know, <laughs> You know, when I when I got into the wrestling business, Big Cat Ernie Ladd told me one thing. He said, Randy, don't ever become a jobber. You know, back then they was using a lot of African-American guys, you know, to be jobbers. And um, I'm not trying to be racist or anything, but they was trying to make the, the uh, Japanese boys and the white boys look good. And so when I got my third wrestling match, and uh, they want me to be another job. I said, I, I can't do this. You know, I'm not the 
to kind of, I did it for Frank, because he was a friend. I did it to Hashimoto because of Brad Riggins. I wasn't doing it for Vader. It wasn't gonna happen. And all these other matches, you know, they wanted me to lose, but they wanted me to kick somebody. Randy, we want you to kick their ass. And, you know, just like Hashimoto, but in the last second, you're gonna make a mistake. You're gonna throw a punch and he's gonna duck and he's gonna kick you, and, you know, and, you, and he's gonna win the match. No, no, that 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 wasn't, you know, what that's not the reason why I got into wrestling, you know. And um it was a dream. Um I met a lot of people, I had great times. Um <clears throat> I still miss Japan, I still got friends over there. And maybe I still got fans. I still get a lot of email from people. Oh, I remember you and your soccer castle and all that kind of and this, that was 30 something years ago. And so um, the people, Japan is different. You know, they were asking this more different than ours. Cause you got to remember, you know, uh, they always been a little you know, stiff, you know, with their wrestling. Where like Mexican wrestling is more acrobatics, you know, and all the flipping and stuff like Bay Stereo. You know, in the United States, we was in like in between, you know, we were back then it was more into the muscle guys, you know. Was more into the, you know, uh, um, Billy Graham's and you know, you know, the more muscle, you know, big, you know, big stiff guys. So you know, you know, it it, it became different, you know, and um, you know, I thank God for my 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 time, um, but it it just wasn't at the time wasn't for me. So when I was overseas in Japan training, <clears throat> I got a phone call that I got drafted into the World League Football League. And so it was like, I said, well, how much I'm getting paid? And they told me, I said, well, I'll be home two days. So I, I left New Japan and flew back and went to Sacramento and started playing to see it. I mean, a professional world league. Right. Um, so between 1991 and 1999, before, before anything happened with WCW, was there, did you wrestle at all between that no. time? No. Okay, cool. I'm glad that I, I uh, filled that gap there. Uh, you no. played a bit of uh, arena football. Yeah, yeah, I played, I played, uh, I played uh, the World League, not Arena Football World. It's called, well, it's, right. it's called a World League. It's the Sacramento Gold Miners, and we turned into a Canadian football team. So I played, you know, three, four years of that, and then I, um, I retired because I had my last knee injury. I was, you know, my last knee injury, so I retired and I moved back home, and um, I, became, I, I started my own gym. And I was, a, I was a personal trainer. And then I started doing motivational speaking. I was working with fellowship Christian athletes, the FBI, the DEA. They would send me all over the United States to do anti-drug and alcohol programs in schools. So, you know, then one day I got a phone call from a childhood friend. You know, y'all know him as Master P. We call him Percy Miller. And he was like, man, I want you to come work for me. And, you know, that was that. And that was the 19... 97, 98, something like that. Right. Okay. So, so he was a childhood friend of yours. Yeah. We went to college together. Okay. Because I don't know. I read somewhere online that he's actually your cousin. So, no. I, I, okay. He's not That's, your cousin. No, <laughs> he's not my cousin. Thank God. No. <laughs> no I, don't, um, I, don't want, I don't want Master P to be my cousin. 
<laughs> uh, so uh, if uh, you start, you, you know, you join up with him when when he's got his hip hop career going. What was it like being uh, close to somebody that started to find that kind of success in that field? And what was it like witnessing that? It was amazing because you got to remember, this guy turned ten thousand dollars into four hundred million, and I'm talking about we had so much money. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not bullshitting. You. I used to walk around with. $25,000 in my pocket cash, you know, uh, we had, I've driven every car you can name, Bentleys, Rolls Royce, Ferraris, you name it, uh, you know, I've driven it, uh, I, you know, uh, we lived in mansions, you know, California, Hollywood, we were doing movies, so we was around celebrities, we was going to music awards, I was meeting people like Tupac, I met Michael Jackson, uh, you know, I met Garth Brooks, you know, you know, I mean, it was limited. A lot of people, <laughs> especially internet, think that I have animosity because I'm no longer with Master P. They think I have animosity towards him. And I, I really, really don't. Um, I think I thank him for the life that he's given me. I thank him for feeding my family. Um, he made Big Squall popular, you know, Big, you know, Randy Thornton was okay, well known but he made a little skinny boy dream come through because Big Swole went all over the world, you know? And at one time, you know, in our highest, um, you know, mark and, you know, no limit, you know, we had 10 million people in our fan club, you know? Because, I mean, people got to realize, no everybody was calling himself No Limit Soldier, you know? And I still remember the day when me, me and Percy had to talk about, you know, you know being a professional wrestler, and he thought I was crazy. Awesome, and that leads me to my next question. Uh, you know, you have that <laughs> conversation with him. How did the first contact with World Championship Wrestling take place? Well, people gotta stop leaving the internet because internet don't tell the truth, okay? People, they're saying that WCW contacted Master P. That didn't happen. One day we was in, uh, in LA, in Pasadena, California, and Ray Mysterio and Conan was going on body body and rowdy rowdy. And for people that don't know, that's one of big, that's one of Master P's biggest songs. I'm rowdy rowdy. And so I looked at P and I said, P, I said, hey man, I can get us some professional wrestling. Oh man, shut the fuck up. You know what you're talking about? I said, no, I mean, I'm serious. I can get us there. I can make some phone calls. So I called Brett Riggins. And Brad Riggins called Kurt Henning, okay? And uh, Kurt Henning is the one that set up the meeting. So I got a phone call back, and I, I was telling him, I said, look, I work for Master P, and I like to do something with this, you know, No Limit Soldier, you know, Roddy Roddy gig. And they was excited. It was like, yeah. So they flew me to um, Atlanta, because that's the, the home base of WCW. So you got to remember this now. I want you to imagine in your head what I'm about to tell you. I'm a wrestling fan. So me and, me and the lawyers for No Limit walk into the, a meeting. There's Kevin Nash, Dusty Rose, uh, Macho Man Randy Savage, and Eric Bischoff. I'm like, what the fuck? You know? And I had to play cool, you know, because you, know, you got to remember, I'm a big, big Dusty Rhodes fan. 
And when they told me that Dusty Rose gonna be my promoter, I'm gonna shit it on myself. Seriously. I was just like, and and one thing people always ask me, do Randy Savage really talk like that? And the answer is yes, 24-7. Even when he's eating, he talks like he said, I, I've never seen a person that was in character 24-7. Seriously. He talked like that all the time. Even when we we went out to eat dinner. I was like, I know this guy's gonna get out of character, you know, and eat dinner, but he stayed in character the whole time. And that's how we got hooked up with WCW. I made the contact, Brad Riggins made the contact, and Kurt Henning was a personal friend of ours already. And so that's when they came up to West Texas Rednecks. So, cause they wanted something, cause that was all Kurt Henning, you know? Or oh, maybe, oh, okay, cause you're gonna do rap, but we're gonna do country music. And this is something, that I've never told people, and it's the first time I ever told people this, but I want to be a West Texas redneck. I didn't want to be a No Limit Soldier. That's fantastic. That is really yeah. fantastic. I, 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 would, I would have loved to have met Randy Savage. I mean, your name's Randy too, so I could imagine him being like, mm, yeah, yeah, well, uh, you yeah. know, I guess there's going to be two Randys around here. Yeah. <laughs> all day. You're right. You got it all, all day. That was him. <laughs> That, 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 and, and he was he was so nice, you know. He he he's a very nice. Now I'm gonna tell you, the two jerks, well, the three jerks I met at WCW because people always ask me, you know, because I mean, the nicest person I ever met, you know, in wrestling is um, oh my God, what's his name from Arkansas, uh, Sid Vicious. Oh, cool. You know, man, Sid Vicious was the nicest person I met in my life. Sid Vicious to sit down and talk to me, no rain. This is how you do this. This is how you do that. You know, this is how you set your spot. He sat down, he talked to me, you know, and you know, I haven't seen him in 30 something years and I hope you see this. And I want to thank, you know, you know, Sid Vicious for being a friend. You know, uh, the three people I didn't like, I hated Hulk Hogan. He was such a prima donna asshole. You know, he walked around that motherfucker like he was God, you know, didn't speak to nobody, you know, very arrogant. Uh, I didn't like Ric Flair. Uh, Rick Flair says something that I overheard personally that nobody can tell me, but I didn't hear. I heard him say it, and I won't repeat it, you know, um, because he has his fan base, and I don't deal with people who make racist comments, so I'm not going to tell you what he said because, I mean, he's a legend, and I was never a, a, Booker, a Booker T fan, you know. Booker, Booker T had, he had, he had a problem with us being there, you know, instead of, you know, helping us. He's very distant, you know, with me, with me personally, he's very distant. I've tried to talk to him a couple of times when he wouldn't talk to me. His brother was real, real nice, you know. Stephen Ray was real, real cool. But, um, you know, you know, when you go to, a, let me tell you something about wrestling business. The wrestling business is one of the most cutthroat business I've ever been in my life. Because these guys, when you go to a company and these guys think, you, you know, you're gonna take some of their money, you know. They, they, you know, they turn on you, you know, and, um, you know, it's, you know, you know, Brad Armstrong always told me, don't trust these motherfuckers, you know, because, um, you know, we, we got into the business. Like I said, I got into the business to have fun, you know, to have a good time. And um, it, it, it was just so cutthroat, you know, the Steiner brothers, they took, you know, they, they took me under their wing, you know, 
and they used to, you know, you know, Rick and Scott, you know, they could be, we worked together in New Japan, so I already knew them, you know. So it was, um, WCW was fun. Um, it, I made I made great friends. And 30 years later, people still know who Big Swole is. I find amazing. Um, we made history, you know, bringing No Limit to WCW. And um, it was sad the way it ended. Of course, of course, and, and 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 as you were just alluding to, um, you know, the cutthroat uh, aspect of the wrestling business. Um, I, I would imagine you coming in, you're tight with Master P. He's got this great deal going on for himself there, which I guess would mean that you were going to be getting a great deal too. Um, did you feel that heat from guys in the locker room yeah. that you're coming in as a new guy with this opportunity, with this money? Uh, and I, I also want to ask, did any of the guys there that were ex-football players, did they, were they cool with you because they knew that you were an ex-football player too? Well, we didn't have any, there was no ex-football players there, you know, at WCW. I can remember. Oh, oh Goldberg, excuse me, you know. I was imagining Goldberg would be cool with you. That's just my assumption, well, though. We were teammates. We, oh. we played together. Yeah. Me, me and Bill been known each other Ever since we played in 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 um because he was on the same team as me in the world lead in Canada. So oh I've been wow. doing Bill for a long time, but Bill was way up here at that time. He was yeah, he was <laughs> way he was, you know. Um uh you know <laughs> the word got around how much money I was making. Okay. And I got a lot of animosity. I had a lot of hate because um, I don't want to sound arrogant when I say this, okay? But I was making more money than a lot of superstars, you know? And that's because they wanted the, the No Limit Soldiers. Um, I had in my contract I full first class, you know? I didn't ride coach. I rode full first class. I had in my contract, uh, I, lived, I stayed in a suite. I didn't stay in a room. I stayed in the suite. And don't be mad at me because I had a good agent, you know? And a lot of guys were mad about that. And, oh, well, how much he's making? Oh, you know, blah, blah. you know what I mean? And the word got out. And, uh, you know, I was like, you know, fuck, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm an athlete. I know how to negotiate. This is not my first negotiation. So, you know, a lot of guys got mad. When they found out how much money I was making, and I, and, and I was making more than a lot of superstars. Yeah, but they can be mad all they want. It's if they were in the same position, they would do the exact same thing. So yeah. they they can shut up right then and there. <laughs> well, you, you're not talking about a lot of educated people, okay? So you know, a lot of rappers are not educated. So um, you know, and um, you know, I missed you know I miss Brad Armstrong so much. You know, because we used to talk all the time. You know, I miss him. He was, he was, so, he, he was a brother, you know, and I, I miss him so much. I miss Chase, you know. Um, my life wouldn't have ever happened if it wasn't for Kurt Henning with the West Texas Redneck. Uh, I love Kurt Henning's. Bobby Duncan Jr., a lot of people don't know we played the kids. We played against each other in college, so we already knew each other. He played football at the University of Texas, 
you know, not that, but his, his daddy was, you know, Bobby Duncan, you know, so, and, you know, the Wyndham brothers, a lot of people know, they dad is Black Jack Mulligan, you know, and so um, all those guys, you know, I, you know, I, I want to tell them, thank you for making my dream come through, because it's like I told you earlier, uh, I want to be a West Texas redneck because they was having so much fucking fun. Seriously, you know, they were yeah. they were doing videos, doing concerts, you know, rap is crap. They was having a ball. And I'm like, man, I won't be with them, you know. Fuck, you know, fuck there's no limit shit. You know, I, I won't go direct to the West Texas redneck. They were having fun, and we wasn't, you know. Um, the way it turned out was we were the baby face. And yeah. And then before Bass at the beach, we became the heels. People were turning on us. And um, so, you know, but that's another story that, you know, I could tell you about. But that, um, the moment, something like, something, you know, that happened. Well, a lot of people just don't know, and, and I'll, I'll, this is the unguarded truth, but, you know, Master P abandoned the Newman soldiers. He walked out on us. And he walked out on me because... I was listening to Dusty Rose and I wasn't listening to him. And I'm not trying to put Master P down, I'm just telling the truth. Um, you know, because you know, we did Bass at the Beach and he didn't show up for pay per view. And, you know, that, you know, you know, because uh, WCW had big plans for us. They wanted to send us to Japan. You know, do some work over there because hip hop was real big. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, sorry for that little break in transmission there. We had a bit of technical difficulties on my end. Uh, definitely not Swall's end. Everything's okay with him. It's me that's at fault. But, uh, bro, where we were at, uh, <laughs> we were talking about obviously your time in WCW with the No Limit Soldiers. I wanted to ask you as we move forward. Um, the initial idea of the No Limit Soldiers and who was going to be a member. Do you know how that process went? You know, how it was decided that you'd have Chase and, and Brad and 4 by 4 part of the group as well? Well, I did that. That was my choice. It wasn't nobody else's choice but mine. And um, when we sat in the meeting, we already knew we had Conan and Ray Mysterio. Yeah. They was already on. So I go, you know, we had the meeting and I tell him that I want New Jack, you know. Wow. And they all looked at the, they all looked at each other and said, fuck no, we can't do it. <laughs> and I was like, why? You know, because New Jack would have been a perfect fit, you know. Definitely. And they say he's too much of a liability. He, 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 he's hurting too many people and he's, he's off hinges. And like I said, well, y'all told me who I can have, you know. And I want New Jack. And they told me, no. They said, well, we got somebody that we think that fit in perfect with you, uh, Brad Armstrong, you know? And I already knew who Brad Armstrong was. And I was like, yeah, I, I could do Brad. And um, so we went, I was at the, the power plant training and I seen Chase Tatum, you know? And I told myself, I want this kid Chase. And so they gave me Chase and, um, Four by four was brought to no limit um, through our agency because he was working for Mike Tyson. Yeah. He was Mike, he was Mike Tyson's bodyguard. And so we seen how big his fucking ass was. He was like, fuck. <laughs> you know, hell yeah. 
So, you know, and so that was the team. But like I say, the person that I really, the person that I originally wanted, they wouldn't give them to me. Yeah, well, I mean, New Jack looked the part, especially because he used to wear the camo as well. And mm. uh, I was lucky enough to interview him last year. Uh, so may he rest in peace, but yeah, fantastic yeah. decision there, bro. Like a great, great idea. It, it's unfortunate that WCW didn't go through with it because who knew, who knows what would have come of it if New Jack was on board. Uh, yeah, it would have been crazy. <laughs> Absolutely. And and one segment I wanted to bring up was um, when Kurt Hennig came out, he had a birthday present for, uh, for Master P's brother. Uh, and there was the, the, the cowboy hat. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a fan, when I watched this, he gave this birthday present. The hat gets stomped on. He gets a cake thrown in his face. Did you do you think that this was the best way to start the angle? Because I felt a little bit bad for Kurt. <laughs> it was his idea. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't my idea. It was Kurt's idea. <laughs> of course, it was. Because you remember, we in the Louisiana Superdome when this happened. Yeah. And we, we from New Orleans. So it was, the Superdome was packed. I mean, maxed out. And Kurt came to and said, Swoon, I, I got this idea. I said, what? We're going to, you're going to throw the cake in my face. You're going to stump the hat. You're going to blah, blah, blah. And a lot of people was mad. And Kurt was telling people, it wasn't Swoon. It was me. I'm the <laughs> one made that up. Right. It was all Kurt Henning. It, was, it wasn't my idea. It was Kurt Henning's idea. <laughs> well, but, it certainly was a, a segment. But, see, but he was a team player, you yes. know. That was just Kurt Henning, you know. You know, he took one for the team. Definitely, definitely. And what I wanted to do here, Swall, at this time was not play word association, but I, I want to mention each member of the No Limit mm-hmm. Soldiers. And if you could tell me, like, a, a nice story about them or how you feel about them. Mm. Please, the floor is yours. Uh, the first person I want to bring up, obviously, you've already mentioned him, your good friend, Brad Armstrong. Uh, please tell me about him. Brad Armstrong was a real gentleman. Um, for people who don't know, his family has been in wrestling for years. You know, got the road dog father. shirt on. Yeah, you know, and um, <laughs> come from a great family, great friend. Um, Brad is one of the reasons I became a sleep advocate, you know, for sleep apnea because, you know, he died in his sleep on his couch. And we talked like two, three days before he died. Great friend, uh, always willing to do anything, you know. We got this, well, we're going to do this, you know. Come on, Swole, we're going to, you know. That was him, you know. Just, just a great guy, you know. I miss him very much. And, um, you know, his, his, I've tried to contact his, his brother, Road Dog, but, I've been very unsuccessful because I had his mother's phone number, but I lost it, you know? So, you know, I, I haven't been able to keep in contact with them. I understand. Uh, well, thank you for sharing that. Um, the, the next guy I want to bring up is Conan. Conan was kind of off, you know? Um, great guy, uh, very competitive. He knows the business very, very well. Um, he's having some health issues right now. Wishing the best of luck. <laughs> um, he said something negative about me I didn't like, but you know I still love him. You know, um, 
you know, great, just, just a great showman, you know, um, great champion, you know, and it wasn't for him, it would never be no No Limit Soldier because he was rowdy, rowdy, and body, body, you know, so he started it. Absolutely. Uh, Ray Mysterio Jr. The best wrestler to ever perform in wrestling. The best. Ray Mysterio can do things that nobody else can ever do. I'm going to tell you a story. Um, I had an audition for WWE. And um, they called me up. They wanted me to audition for them. And then I got a phone call from a very personal friend who I won't tell said, Randy, they're not going to sign you. You're wasting your time. They're not going to sign you. But they had a guy named Snow, John Snow or something. Was they booking agent, a talent agent, something like that. I forgot the guy's name. But his name was Snow. He said, Randy, they're not going to sign you. You know, they have no interest in you. And so I remember going there. When I heard that, all the edges went out of me, you know. So I went in there to, um, you know, to audition which I thought I didn't need to audition, you know, but I had a name. Uh, they blew me out on purpose. And Ray was cheering me out. Come on, Swole. Swole, come on, Swole, come on. And he seen what they was doing. And I just stopped, you know, like, I can't do this. You know, uh, a true friend. I'm still one of his fans. Me personally, I think he's way too much into the business. I think he should just retire. You know, and it's because he's he's getting injured a lot, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm still a fan of his. I still watch his matches. Um, we haven't talked in years, but I, in my book, one of the best wrestlers ever in professional wrestling. Good call, bro. Uh, two more guys to bring up. Chase Tatum. Asshole. <laughs> Please, asshole. Um, Chase. Um, was kind of weird, you know. Um, he in middle of the, the No Limit Soldiers, you, you start knowing, you start seeing he, he kept losing a bunch of matches, right? We turned on him because he turned on us. Um, he didn't. He was very unselfish what he was doing. So there's a match where he wrestling um, one of Steiner brothers, not Scott but his the other brother. And I'll forget he told me, he said, man, he's talking trash about you and you're giving this guy a chance. And he said, man, I'm gonna beat the fuck out of him. And you can look it up. It's a match between um, Rick Steiner and Chase Tatum. And he's literally hitting him for real, seriously. I mean, and he did that favor, you know, for me, because like you said, you know, you gave this guy opportunity. You know, you made him money, you know, and he's talking shit about you. I still love him, though. May he rest in peace, you know, and um, great body. I'm talking about the guy was built like a god. Definitely. Um, but, you know, he turned on me, you know, so yeah. much I can say. <laughs> uh, and the last guy, of course, four by four. The man. <laughs> four by four. <laughs> it's the nicest guy that walked this earth. Walk this earth. If people out there want to follow him, look under Teddy the Tank. That's what he goes by, Teddy the Tank. Nice guy. The biggest arms I've ever seen on a human. 
Uh, after he left us, he after he left us, he joined the Harlem Heat, which yeah. I was very excited. You know, he worked with you know Booker T and Ray, and he had a great run. Um, he does a lot of indie, you know, indie tours in New York, but he's not the same four by four no more. He's like um, two hundred twenty five pounds now. Really? Wow. Yeah, you wouldn't even <laughs> recognize him. He's he's little and ripped, you know. He lost like 200 something pounds and I seen a video of him and I was just like, what the hell? You know, and um, super nice guy, super. And the last time I seen um, Teddy, we call him Teddy. The last time I seen him, he was working for Missy Elliott. He was Missy Elliott personal bodyguard. So, and that was the last time I've seen him, but we talk all the time. Oh, that's cool, right? That's cool. Uh, the next question I had was, what did you think of the song, Rap Is Crap? Let me tell you something. <laughs> I like the song. <laughs> I didn't like Who Do You. Okay? <laughs> Who Do You was trash to me. I, did, I didn't like the song, and I still don't like it to this day. Rap, and, rap Is Crap was, was, was funny. Um, I played it a while ago. Uh, I love country music, you know, and I was singing every word from word and having like, you know, and I loved it, you know, I mean, it was, it was a great gimmick. And um, I remember we did a wrestling match in I think Tennessee or Kentucky, can't remember. Man, they were throwing batteries at us <laughs> at the No Limit Soldier. They hated us, you know, and, you know, I thought it would have been a good gimmick if I went, to, you know, to West Texas Rednecks, you know, Big Swole, you know, because like I said, I didn't like um, Hootie Who. Uh, like I said, we was abandoned by Master P, you know. Uh, we wasn't, I wasn't having fun because he was trying to tell Dusty Rhodes how to promote us. And this is not a, this is not a music industry. It's not the rap industry. This is a wrestling industry. And yes, I was listening to Dusty Rhodes more than I was listening to him. I was. I won't tell a lie. Well, that's somebody that you should listen to if you're in the wrestling industry, yeah. that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> um, and we'll get to some more uh, a talk about Master P and the soldiers um, in a minute. I, I wanted to ask about your in-ring debut in WCW because uh, you wrestled against two people that I consider friends now. I've interviewed both of them. <laughs> Mean Mike and Tough Tom from Disorderly Conduct uh -huh. uh, in Lafayette, Louisiana on June 24th, 1999, teaming with BA. How was your in-ring debut there on Thunder? Well, that wasn't our ring debut. Our ring debut was, oh, okay. in, Washington, was in Washington, D.C. Okay. When I jumped out, when I jumped out of the, um, the stands and jumped into the ring, and uh, yeah. Ray Mysterio and Clooney was wrestling. Um, of course. What's the yeah. guy with the bone with the bone outfit? He hit all the bones. Uh, Parker. Yeah, he's wrestling them. And so, which I still think is the most gangster thing I've ever seen in my life. But I jumped, you know, we was in Washington, D.C. And I jumped over the rail and jumped into the ring and start, you know, start throwing forearms, which I think was his gangster. But um, the first time that me and VA wrestled together with the Lafayette. That was just me and him. And that was one of, you know, and um it, it, we had, man, we had, you know, Brad took care of me, you know, and those guys was like, hey man, look, 
we're gonna get you over. Don't worry about it. You know, we're gonna we're gonna call it spots. You know, because we are ahead of spots. It great, you know, great people. You know, WCW had a lot of hard workers. Yeah. They had guys that you know that really loved the business. And it's it's sad that WWE just to me destroyed the, the, the wrestling yeah. industry. You, you know, it, it really did. You know. Because those guys had two wrestling companies that they could compete. Now one is, you know, when, when you have something that you, you know, have full control over, you know, the people in the business don't have no say so. So, uh, yeah, that was, you know, that, that was the first match me and Brad Armstrong did, but together, but uh, our debut was in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. No, um, I, 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 Talk to me and Mike from Disorderly Conduct pretty much every day now since I interviewed him. And he had nothing but uh, uh, very positive things to say about you and working with you. And obviously, everyone, everyone loves Brad. Everyone loves Brad. <laughs> we, the next time, Tim, Tim, say hi for me, please. I will. I will. Actually, Let's I was just him. talking to him during my hiatus with our interview. Uh, he had messaged me asking how things were going because um, I just, please, I just bought a house. So. Man, <laughs> I'll look, let him thank, know. Thank, yeah. Tim, I said, thank you very much, you know, and thank you for being a, you know, thank you for being a friend. Excellent, bro. Um, I'm, I'm going to be bringing up a bunch of your matches, and I want to ask about this one here. July 8th, 1999, Thunder, Birmingham, Alabama. It's a little tune-up before Bash at the Beach. Uh, it's the No Limit Soldiers of B.A. Swall and Chase Tatum. You face Dave Taylor, Fit Finley, and Stephen Regal. How did that go? Because I know when Stephen Regal wrestled Goldberg back when mm. Goldberg was starting out, it was a bit tough for Goldberg. Now, you know, you've been out a bit of wrestling for a while. You're fresh back into WCW. How was it working with these guys? Regal was one of the best technicians ever mm. in history. You know, those guys were solid. Those guys were, you know, were great technicians. All, you know, all three of them were great, 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 great wrestlers. And, um, it, it, you know, Regal was, that, you know, sitting down talking to him. I saw he would talk about with the snakes and lizards, you know, because he's oh, real big yeah. in the reptiles, yeah. you know. <laughs> and we sitting down talking about all the snakes and his lizards and his turtles. And I'm like, you know, oh, so don't worry. I got you, man. You know, I got you. I got you, man. You're going to do good, you know. You're going to do good. And uh, but the, it, 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 it was a great match. Um, you know, some matches I remember so well because I, I don't think I like the fans to know that I have a brain disease um, called White Matters Brain Disease. So I don't remember a lot of stuff and I apologize. You know, um, there's something a lot of people don't know about me, but, you know, I have a brain disease and my memory's not good as it used to be. So I, I do apologize. Uh, I remember some things and I, some things I don't remember. So I, I really, I, I want to, I want to apologize for it. That's totally fine. Um, I, I've had guys that, that don't have that disease that have had worse memories than you on the show, mm -hmm. I promise you. So it's okay, totally fine. <laughs> um, okay, I've got to bring it up and because you, you tell me about how you got to fulfill these dreams, you know, and these dreams that you had when you were little. As you said, in high school, you said you wanted to be a wrestler and you wanted to be a football player. July 11th, 1999, Bash at the Beach. 
No Limit Soldiers, West Texas Rednecks. You're on pay-per-view, my friend. Holy shit. This must have been a thrill. What was it like being on pay- and Bash at the Beach of all shows as well? How was it? How did it feel? It, that must have been fantastic. It was the high point of my life and the low point of my life because um, two weeks before, I think it was two weeks before, a week before Bash at the Beach, I had a wrestling match in Atlanta. I'm not, I'm not sure. Atlanta somewhere. And um, Dusty Rhodes came to me and said, hey, Randy, look, we got a problem. He said, um, you all are turning to the hills real, real fast. And, you know, you know, Eric Bischoff told me to come talk to you, but we have to do something to make the people hate the West Texas Redneck. He said, so you're going to do a wrestling match and they're going to jump you. You know, and you're gonna lose the match. You know, they're gonna beat the shit out of you, you know, but they're gonna cheat. You know, I said, okay, cool. And so we did the wrestling match, and um, it went great. It was super good. Cause you got to remember, I'm winning bats at the beach. I'm hyped, you know. So I get to New Orleans, I go to the bank, and the banker, his name was Squad Bob, he said, Man, you got a phone call. So I get the phone call, and it's Master P. Motherfucker, who the fuck you think you are? Motherfucker, son, we don't fucking lose. Motherfucker, blah, 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 blah. I was like, hey, you know. So when I went to explain what happened, he hung up the phone in my face, you know. And the one last thing he told me, motherfucker, since you want to do what fucking Dusty Rhodes wants you to do, fuck you and fuck bass at the beach. So... I, we go to Bass at the beach, you know. They're asking me, where's Master P? Because, you know, we show up to arena at 2 o'clock to go through, you know, rehearsal and stuff, you know. So we 2 o'clock comes, we're sitting there. No Master P. 3 o'clock, no Master P. So I'm calling him, you know. Uh, he's not answering his phone. The bodyguards not answering their phone. Everybody's ignoring me. So around four o'clock, it's like, hey man, we gotta change everything, you know. So I went up to uh, Ray Mysterio. I said, Ray, how about we end it? I put you on my shoulders and we just do a, 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 a Jesus Christ cross and you just come down. And Kurt Hendon, Kurt Hendon loved it. He's like, what? I said, man, he's gonna bleach me. You know, I'm six six. He's gonna bleach me. You know, ten feet in the air. And he's going to come down, you know. So we had to change it. And afterwards, i never forget, um, I started doing, you know, me and Bad Armstrong were still, you know, doing stuff together. This is me and him. So me and, B, uh, me and um, four by four start escorting um, Dennis Rotman into the ring. You know, we did a couple of shows with his escorts. And uh, <laughs> one day they called me and said, um, we just man on no limit soldiers, you know. And he was like, um, "Swole, we like you." And um, he's like, "Your boss is just a dick, you know, for what he did." And he said, um, "It's like, well, we're gonna still send you to shows, you know, and you're gonna go backstage. We're gonna still pay you for a year." So for six months, you know, I was getting like twenty. I was getting like, you know, eight twenty G's a month. Just to sit backstage, you know. Just to sit, I'll be backstage just watching the shows, you know. 
and they paid me. And you know, and, and Eric Bischoff, I don't care, nobody says Eric Bischoff is one of the nicest guys I've ever met. He's he's straightforward, he's not gonna lie to you, you know. And um, I remember one time I was talking to Eric Bischoff, and you can ask him. If, I kept saying, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, sir. And he was like, Swole, stop calling me, sir. I'm like, no, sir, it's out of respect, you know? Yeah. It's out of respect. Yeah. And Eric Bischoff, you know, great, great boss, he said something about the No Limit Soldiers on one of his podcasts. Yep. And he was talking about <laughs> Swole. And he told me that um, how <clears throat> professional I was and I had talent, you know, and stuff like that. And um, so you know, you know, it's a uh, best at the beach. You know, I mean, you know, it, you know, it, it was great, but you know, everything happens for a reason. You know, um, I told someone a while ago, I think God, my my wrestling career was cut short. You know, now as a as a fifty seven year old man, I'm thankful because so many of my friends are dying. You know, so many wrestlers are dying, and I have a picture in my house of me, Brad, and Chase Armstrong. You know, and for many, many years, I wouldn't look at that picture because it's hard to look at a picture where you're the only one still alive. You know, um, I look at pictures of Kurt Henning in the West Texas Redneck. You know, you look at eight guys. You know, and out of eight guys, four of them, four of them are dead. You know, and that's too many. It's, it's way too many. Um, people, I'm happy people are wrestling fans, but there's a side of wrestling people just don't know about. You know, it's very dark. A lot of guys turn to drugs, alcohol, depression, especially when the career is over with. I went to, um, I went to a wrestling match, the indie show here in New Orleans a couple of years ago. And man, I seen Pochak Cash wrestling. This guy's in his seventies. His seventies. It was the saddest thing I've seen in my life. Uh, I talked to um, uh, Kamala. You know, the Uganda Giant. He's he's from. He lives in Mississippi, not far from me. And I went to visit him one time. And this one, he he had both his legs amputated. You know. And he was selling gospel music and signing autographs, you know. And he told me, he said, man, WWE don't do anything for me. You know, nothing for him. And um, this guy was a star, you know. You know, he, he was, he was, you, you don't get no bigger than Uganda Giant. You know, this guy was major. And to sit there and talk to him, you know, and the guy's broke, you know, has no legs, you know. You look at stuff in you know different aspect, and let me tell you something. I'm not trying to turn your fans off from wrestling. I'm just telling the truth. You know, um, a fan asked me the other day. He said, uh, "Oh, big fool, you know, you a gangster? You this and that?" I had to stop him. No, man, look, I'm not a gangster. I've never been a drug dealer. You know, none of that. You know, yes, I carry guns. Yes, I'm from the hood. You know, but that's far to go. You know, I like to read, I like to write, I write children's books, and all this because I want people to know the real reason. You know, 
behind me because I want your fans and my fans to know that I'm more than just, than just an athlete. You know, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a friend, and I'm an advocate for my community. And wrestling got me there because I'm not kidding you. Every time I get a message from a No Limit fan, I answer them back. Seriously. I don't care how, sometimes it might be 50 a day, 100 a day. I answer everybody back. Thank you very much, soldier. Just like with me and you, you know, contacting me, I contact you back. And I do that with everybody. And I want to thank everybody for supporting the No Limit Soldiers. You know, even though Master P, we don't even talk no more. We haven't talked since Bass at the Beach. You know, um, you know, it, it still was a great moment. You know, it's, it's, it really was. Absolutely, Bray. Well, thank you for sharing all that. It's, um, it, you know, it, it, everyone remembers the Le no, no Limit Soldiers from WCW. And, you know, that's why I wanted you on the show. And we've had such a great conversation so far. And, and I've still got a few more questions. Sure. Um, okay, so uh, you, you told me about after Bash at the Beach or during Bash at the Beach that you were told that um, this thing's probably going to end up being disbanded. There were a few weeks where you and Brad still worked on TV. I know you, you worked with the Wyndham brothers as well as Lenny and Lodi, uh, and also Hugh Morris and Jerry Flynn in Casper, Wyoming on August 17th. Um, and then August 31st, 1999 in uh, Binghamton, New York, uh, the first family of Brian Nobbs, Hugh Morris and Jerry Flynn defeat yourself four by four and Brad and mm. this appeared to be the last match yeah, of the Limit match. Soldiers. Yeah. Um, did you know going into that match that this was the last match? Yeah, because um, we were we were going to a lot of shows and weren't being used. You know? Yeah. Uh, so you know, it was it was times where we just for a whole week, you know, they'll fly me to all these shows, you know, and we were just sitting backstage. You know, you know, this is this is the matches tonight, you know. You know, we just we did some what they call blackout matches where it's not televised, you know. Yeah. You know, this is this is gonna do this, you know. So there's some matches, you know, you know, we was doing, you know, just to you know, so I mean I kind of seen a writing on the wall and um I'm not you know because what they did, they were right, you know, and I just you know I want to be part of Texas with Texas Redneck and I wish they would have took me on. It'd have been Which a they did. story line. That would have been really cool if they managed yeah, to but, get you to, yeah. to to turn on the rap and yeah. join the country. That would have been hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and plus, you know, people, this is something a lot of people don't know. You know, in real life, I, I am a cowboy. I have horses, you know, you know, <laughs> no, I'm not kidding you. You know, I, I, I have a farm, uh, you know, uh, I have horses, I got dogs. Uh, I wear I wear cowboy hats, I wear cowboy boots, and right now rap is really crap. Right now. <laughs> That's great. But kinda, you know, but we kind of knew that it was coming, you know. But because they put so much money into us, you know, yeah. you know, they gave you know they, they gave Percy, a, you know, a, a, you know, a quarter of a million dollars, you know. Mm -hmm. This, this, to, you know, then he let him promote his music. That's priceless. You know, he did the Who the Who, which I think is still one of the crappiest songs I've ever heard in my life. I hate that. Fuck. Every time I hear that fucking song, I could throw a fucking 
chat through the fucking wall. I hate that Who Do You song. And, um, <laughs> but, you know, the, you know, they were, you know, you know, the, you know, on WCW was moving forward. You know, you know, my ex-boss fucked that up. You know, so, but I kind of knew what's coming to the end after that. Cause like I said, New Jersey was the last show that we yeah. did. Yeah, and uh, you know, still, despite the short run that that storyline was, everyone remembers it. Everyone remembers you. And uh, there's a time after this where you decide to retire from wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, what made you want to retire? I didn't like the business aspect of it. Yeah, um, it was very cutthroat. Um, I had something more, you know, in my life than being a professional wrestler. Um, it was a dream, and the dream came through. And uh, I became a motivational speaker, and um, I gave my life to Christ. And um, uh, I got saved. I was uh, doing a lot of speaking engagements. You know, traveling around the world, doing motivational speaking. And I just wanted something better in my life, you know. And um, like I said, I don't watch wrestling. My daughter watches it. And, you know, she knows, you know, and all the people. Uh, I can't believe that Bill is still wrestling, you know, right now. It's it's crazy to me that Goldberg is still wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> um, Raymond Steele still wrestling, which I think is crazy. I seen an um, article about um, the Undertaker, you know, and I watch how this guy walks now. It's, it's, yeah. it's just it's insane to me, you know. Is this, you know, when you play pro football, you know, we have you know 18, 19 games, and we off the rest of the season. In the wrestling industry, there is no off season. Say it, yeah. You know, you wrestle, and when you hurt, they send your ass home. And when you heal, you bring your ass back on the road again. If you don't, you know, they'll get somebody else. That's it. And uh, I've only got a couple more questions, bro. Um, and I, I will ask you about what you're up to these days. But uh, I wanted to bring up Kurt Hennig again, because I know he was quite the trickster. He was quite the uh, river. Um, did he ever play a joke on you or, or anyone that you were close with? I, I love hearing these stories. Yeah. He was, he was the master. One day he came to the wrestling school, you know, and he came there with a big afro. <laughs> you know? What's up, Swole? What's happening, my brother? You know, you know, we're in the middle of Plymouth, Minnesota, which is, you know, a white community, you know. He pulls up in his car with his big afro with you know, What's happening, dog? You heard me? You know, and boy, I, I was laughing, laughing, laughing. And we laughed. Let me tell you a story myself, since I'm thinking about it. About um um what's his name? Jesse the Body Ventura. You know, because you know, he went, you know, he used to come to the Rascals, you know, because he was the AWA. When I got out of the Rascal school, this is something that a lot of people don't know. <laughs> we was trying to come up with a name for me, you know, a gimmick. And I never forget, Jesse said, Randy, I got the right name for you, man. 
It's going to make you a millionaire, but you got to want to do it. I said, what, Jesse? We're going to call you the big bad buckwheat. I'm like, what? We're going to call you the big bad buckwheat. You're going to come out and say, here I is, and you're going to act like buckwheat, you know, for the little rascal. And I looked at Jesse. I said, are you fucking kidding me? I said, there's no way no where I'll do that gimmick. Man, look, you don't make money or not. And Kurt's over that laugh. Kurt is laughing his ass off. You know, Kurt, big bad buckwheat. Oh, my God. And he's just laughing. And Kurt was like, man, I'm glad you didn't take that name, man. I said, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't calling myself no big bad buckwheat. But that, but that was Kurt Hing. But all those guys were like that, you know. Wayne Bloom, you know, you know, you know, uh, you know, you know. Uh, they, they, they all was a good, good, you know, good, good group of guys, especially in that, in that Minnesota area, you know. Because so, you know, like Brock Lesnar, he's from that area, you know, too, you know. And matter of fact, Brock Lesnar is the last person that Brad ever trained, you know, which is which is real funny. Absolutely, yeah. There must be something in the water there in Minnesota, uh, considering yeah. the road warriors in Nikita Koloff, etc. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, another question I have was, um, over the years since you uh, finished up with WCW, have you had the chance to catch up with anybody from WCW over the years? No. Not no. Really all? no. When I walked away, I walked away. Um, I um I um uh, no four by four mm, that, that's it you know and um, you know Ray Mysterio is so busy with his son you know uh, no I, I I haven't no that's cool bro that's cool um. In 2001, what did you think when you heard that WCW was bought by the World Wrestling Federation? I was there in the office. Um, WWE brought me out of my contract. You know, I had some months remaining on my contract. Right. <laughs> and um, they brought me out. So I mean, that was it. You know, when they told me that it was brought out, you know, it was shocked everybody. Because I was in Atlanta, you know, when it, you know, when we got the news, I was at the power, what's called a power plant. Yeah. You know, I was there and um it brought me out, you know, my contract. It was sad, you know, because I yeah, think right now if WCW would um still be existing, I think you'll be seeing a different WWE right now. Cause right I now it's, you know, I tried to watch it one day. And it, it looks more like a soft porn, you know, <laughs> with, you know, with, with the girls damn near naked, you know. I've never seen so many female wrestlers, you know, on a show. And, you know, like I said, it's, it looks like soft porn to me, you know. Um, a lot of guys are acrobats. They're not wrestlers, you know. Um, so, but that's the way they want to go. I wish them the best. People love it. And um, hey, they love it. I like it. Fair enough, bro. And before I finish, I want to ask you a little bit about what you're passionate about these days. I know you're you're very big into mental health and things like that. Please talk a little bit about that and 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 what you're doing with yourself right now. Well, I started doing mental health issues because um, 
so many of my friends in professional wrestling and professional football have mental issues. Um, people don't know that, you know, about professional wrestlers, when their career is over, they, they fall into a deep depression and they turn to alcohol and drugs, you know? Um, a lot of guys can't keep a relationship, you know, with their wives and with their family. And um, so I got to the, you know, and I tell my story. Um, right now we're shooting a documentary about uh, about me and my battle, you know, with depression, you know, and um, we're shooting it right now as we speak. And um, and right now with the age between six and 18, mental health issues up 65%, you know, with our young people. So I put, um, I just finished my children's book and it's about me as a little boy fighting depression. And um, it's also a coloring book. So, you know, we're doing that, but I'm also big into sleep apnea. Um, people like, you know, Brad Armstrong and Chase Tatum both died in their sleep. And uh, a lot of professional wrestlers are having um, sleep apnea. They have heart disease. Um, and this is like, you know, um, what's the guy's name? Uh, Reggie White, you know, who everybody knows the Hall of Fame football player. You know, he died of sleep apnea with a sleep apnea machine right next to his bed. So sleep apnea and mental health issues go hand in hand, you know, because when you have, when you have mental health issues, the last thing you do is sleep, you know, and when you get lack of sleep, it causes depression, mood swings, you know, and um, so we're trying to educate the public about it. And, um, and for a lot of people who don't know, um, in the last two years, I've, I've had two heart attacks. I've had open heart surgery. And right now I'm on a heart transplant list. So, you know, people see me all the time. They see me with a smile, but they don't understand what I'm going through. Um, and I got the, I don't know if you can see, but I have a machine. I'm connected to a heart machine 24-7. And the sad thing at, at night, my, you know, my family has to um, plug me to a wall, you know. And so there's a side of, um, it's a side of professional wrestling that people just don't want to talk about. But not only this wrestling, football players are dying, you know, especially a lot of bodybuilders. A lot of bodybuilders are dying, old bodybuilders, young um, people in CrossFit. Um, you know, sleep apnea and mental health is real. And it plays a major, major part, you know, of being a retired athlete. But not just athlete, we're talking about everyday people, you know, especially with COVID, you know, people losing their job, they can't work, they can't have relationships, they can't do this, kids can't go to school, kids can't make friends, you know. So, you know, mental health issue is a major, 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 major problem. And just like, you know, with sleep apnea, a lot of people are not sleeping because they ain't doing nothing. They're not working, they're not going to school, they can't sleep at night, they're up all night, you know. So, you know, you know, I, you know, I want to tell you, you know, you and your fans, you know, if if you have a mental health issues, please get help. You know, it, it, it's, it's okay to get help, you know. I think it's crazy when you don't get help, you know, and you know you need it. And um People say, well, how can you tell if somebody has, you know, mental issues? Well, things change, you know, they, they don't act the same, 
you know, they, they mood swing, they don't sleep, they don't do things like if, like if a person likes to go fishing, they don't fish no more, you know, they don't work out anymore. It's certain signs, you know, that, you know, that people see about mental health issues that's there, you know. Someone asked me a while ago, uh, a, a lady, her husband's a retired, I'm not gonna say his name, it's a retired wrestler. And she seemed to talk about sleep apnea. And she said, yeah, he snores all night. He gasps for air. He stops breathing. He's, he's moody all day. That's sleep apnea, you know? And um, and for a lot of people, you know, we, we know, you know, to hear that noise, you know, that's your tongue blocking the airway, you know? It's called a yeah. tether tongue. So, you know, you know, I know we're talking about wrestling, and um, but I, but you know, you know, to your fans, you know, if you know someone that need help for mental health issues, I sleep apnea, please get them help. Sorry to go off. No, that's fine because it's 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 funny that you mentioned all of that because uh, I first realized that I had depression when I was fourteen. Mm -hmm. uh, things were different in my life. Mm -hmm. And you can't see it, but I have real bad dark rings under my eyes because I have sleep apnea. Uh, you have a sleep machine? I don't have one, no. I probably should Get have one. one. I probably Get should have one. Get one, please. Uh, and look, my, if you need help, I, I know the people I can hook you up with, you know? Best Sleep Magazine, uh, Julia Ward uh, is a sleep apnea expert, and she, we work hand-to-hand. -hand. And like I said, Best Sleep Magazine. Um, let me tell you something. Sleep apnea is killing a lot of people. And a lot of people are going to sleep and they're not waking up. You know? yeah. And so please get help, you know, please. And like I said, I can hook you up with some people that can help you out. Well, thanks, bro. Yeah, I, uh, my girlfriend's been telling me for a long time that I snore really badly at night. It's got a little bit better recently, but... Uh, I, I can tell when I look in the mirror that I've got these dark rings under my eyes, these bags under my eyes. I'm not sleeping properly. So, well, you know what? As I watch you talk, you you have a tight tongue. You have a tight tongue. I'm watching your tongue, and uh, you have tethered tongue, and I can watch the way you're talking. And for people who know about tethered tongue, um, it's when you have a lazy tongue, and you, right. you know I can tell where you talk. And what happens when you go to sleep at night? And you put your head down, your tongue rolls into the back of your throat, and it, it closes your airway, you know, and that's what's causing you to snore, and that's what's causing you, you know, to have, um, it's called obstructive airway, and um, like I said, a lot of professional wrestlers have it because of the muscles in our neck, you know, a lot of bodybuilders, so, and stop thinking that it's a fat person issue, because it's not. Um, back in the day, when when a lot of babies were dying, it was called a crib debt, you know, infants were dying. But what it was that when a baby is born, his tongue is not strong enough, you know, and develop. And what the mother would do is lay the child down on his back and the tongue would roll in the back of the throat, cuts all the oxygen, and when they wake up, the baby be dead. So it's a very serious, serious problem. Please get help. I will. I will. Now that you've mentioned all that, now I'm aware of just how serious it is, and I was not before. Um, but uh, bro, I, I better get to our final segment of the show here. Thank you for sharing all that. 
it's I already know now like I've learned something so I hope other people out there I hope you've learned something mm. as well um so please get help if you do need help but uh Swole, it's time for our final segment of the show. It's called Five Second Frenzy. Apparently, with the rules of the show, you have five seconds to answer each question. It doesn't <laughs> matter, though. I just came up with the name of the show over 100 episodes ago, and it doesn't matter if you break the five-second rule. It's okay. But the first question is, who is your favorite wrestler of all time? Big Cadillac. Fantastic choice. Uh, over the years, who would you say was your favorite opponent? Kurt Henning. Another good choice. If you could pick one match, one match in your time of professional wrestling to be your favorite match to compete in, which one was it? My dream match uh, happened. Oh, one that happened. One that happened. The West Texas Redneck Bass at the Beach. Excellent choice. Uh, Getting away from wrestling now, bro. Favorite book? The Shack. Nice. Favorite TV show? All in the Family. <laughs> Very good. Favorite film? Uh, um, hold on. I, 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 imitation of Life. Excellent. Excellent. Favorite musical artist? Uh, Midnight Oil. Midnight Oil, are you serious? No. No. How can we dance when the world keeps turning? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm putting this segment on, on hold right now. Midnight Oil from Australia it's is my your favorite. Are you kidding? Oh my yeah. God, I love Midnight Oil. That was the, the first, first ever album that I had. I got my mum when she went food shopping to buy me Midnight Oil Greatest Hits. I listened to it every night before I went to bed when I was 12 years old. I still listen to the music. I, 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 and the, I, I like to see the, especially when they performed at the Olympics. Yes. I think, I think you know, they, I think they was the best. You know, when you heard that, dun, 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 oh, right. And everybody's jumping. I, I lost it. You know, I'm sitting at home. Me and my dog, we jamming too, you know? So, yeah, Midnight Oil. Oh, I love it. Everyone out there, I know there's a lot of, probably a lot of Americans out there watching this that don't know who Midnight Oil are. Check them out. They're fantastic. Okay, let's get over this now. But I can't believe that you said Midnight Oil, that you've made my day. Uh, (laughs) Okay, getting away from the arts now, bro. Favorite food? Crawfish. Nice. Favorite place to eat on the road? McDonald's. <laughs> Very nice. Three more to go. I don't know if you're much of a drinker. Uh, this one's supposed to be favorite alcoholic beverage, but if you don't drink, just your favorite beverage in general. Milk. Milk. Very nice. Mm. Very nice. Second last one here, bro. It's the naughtiest one of Five Second Frenzy. It's Favorite female body part? You see a good-looking lady. Where does Swall's eyes lead to first? I love calves. Calves, really? You say mm-hmm. calves, I say calves. I'm a, I'm a leg man. Leg man, very good. I dig that. Okay. And the last one here, sir. Favorite curse word? 
fuck? <laughs> if it's for Family Feud, that will be the number one answer yeah. on this show. It's always fuck. Swall, I have to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me here today. My face hurts. It, it hurts a lot, but my face hurts from smiling so much and even more so because you said Midnight Oil is your favorite band. Thank you so much for having thank the time you. and giving me the time to talk to me today, teaching me a little bit about sleep apnea, teaching me about your time in pro wrestling and in football. I remember you from back in the day. I remember when I was 12 years old watching WCW. I was mm -hmm. a fan of the No Limit Soldiers and the West mm -hmm. Texas Rednecks. It is huge for someone to say, I live in the most isolated city in the world, all mm -hmm. the way all the way from New Orleans to here. You've got a fan right here. So you've reached you. to the most isolated city in the world, my friend. Thank you. Thank and you. I hope you are very proud of what you've accomplished in your life. Yes. And I, and I want to tell all your friends and your fans, remember mental health is real. Sleep apnea is real. Please get help. You know, it, life is too golden. We're losing too many people from a cause that can be cured. And I, I'm telling you, Get help, please sleep apnea. I promise you, it'll make you a different person when you get a good night's sleep. Excellent, Randy. Well, thank you so much for your time you. on the show. Really appreciate it, my friend. Thank you. You'll be blessed, my brother. Absolutely. You, you as well, my friend. And thank you all out there for watching the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WZWA Network. I'm California, alongside my new friend, Midnight Oil fan himself, Swole. And we will see you down the road. Thank you.